small-time indie filmmaker walks into a bar and meets with another small-time indie filmmaker to discuss their local films, the film scene, and how to make movies in Tampa, Florida. You get the film bar review. Today we discuss Van and Salvage. So, John Croft and Tim Mannix here for Film Bar Review. We are talking about Dominic Smith's van, talking about Scott Sullivan's salvage, talking film stuff, um, and what we're doing here, why we're doing this podcast. Um, so, uh, what's been going on with you, man? Been watching a lot of movies lately, you know, trying to get... Trying to get that hat back on, mm-hmm. you know, because for a while there, I just hadn't been watching much, you know, doing other things, and so tried to shut down and really, you know, just expose myself to some some movies, man. It, it had been a while. Kind of watched some which ones? old favorites. Well, I was, I mean, I've I've watched a bunch, but I will say one thing I went back to, which was a movie I really liked, and I had a different experience with it this time because it's the first time I watched it since I had a kid. Mm-hmm. The Good Shepherd. Oh, I love that movie. I think it's a really, oh, wow. really good spy movie, directed by De Niro. But um, I had a whole different experience with it this time around. When did yeah, that are come you familiar out? Familiar with that? I never I saw like it. Oh six, oh seven. Oh wow, yeah, something like that. Matt Damon. Okay. Plays the uh, the kind of the lead. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a spy, and it's kind of the the origins and the genesis of the CIA, pretty much. It's kind oh, of what yeah. the story covers, and his family drama and how things play out between him and his wife and his son. Mm-hmm. And it was just a brutal watch for a movie that I had a lot of, you know, I don't know, good feelings about. I guess in the old yeah. days, man, and that all changed a little bit. You're like, what was I thinking back then? A little bit. Not to say that I still think that it stands craft-wise mm-hmm. what they did. And how they shoot it. It's really the movie that I shown you has a little bit of that cloak and dagger somewhat, the the steps of it's not espionage, but mm-hmm. to get to the to the contract that the guy takes. There's You're talking few, about Herbert's Yeah, Herbert's, exactly. Yeah. Herbert's there's a few steps of uh, like breadcrumb trail to get to the information, right? Right. And that's what kinda of comes from I always like the good shepherd, I like um Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is a good spy movie. That's what I, I was thinking that when you said The Good Shepherd. Too. Yeah. And I had a good experience with that, but this Good Shepherd was just rough, man. Mm-hmm. This time watching it. I mean, I don't want to get into it because I know you maybe you hadn't seen it or it's been a while, but the end is tough, man. It really, I feel differently watching it now. Yeah. Without is it, a doubt. Is it the, it's very plot heavy kind of story, kind of like a cloak and dagger yeah, mystery? Yeah, it definitely relies yeah. on that a lot step by step the plot but it's got a really good cat and mouse game between Matt Damon's character and the lead mm-hmm. of basically the KGB you know the yeah. Russian spy head of intelligence pretty much and how they go toe to toe Cool. over the course of shoot man like they're basically the life of the kid mm-hmm. pretty much his life up till I, he's probably in college because I think he's graduating from the same school that Matt Damon does cool so, so it's not just uh, it's not just like uh like a hit like Munich or something like that it's mm-hmm. more like spy versus spy stuff yeah for sure and it goes That's on fun. but Munich is a great film oh, too I love, I Munich. love Munich 
honest to God, those. Yeah. So in the old days, I used to watch. I would always watch Munich, and I would watch The Good Shepherd. I was like, damn, I love these spy movies. And uh, I wish Spielberg would make more of those. Then kind of Tinker Taylor came out. Yeah. I was like, oh, great. I got another one to fold in the mix when I'm going. You know, you just catch that kind of, you catch a rhythm and you keep going with a, with a style or a, or a yeah. genre or a feel of a movie. And Tinker Taylor falls right in with that. And I also found one that I really enjoyed, an older movie recently, was A Spy Who Came In From The Cold. Oh, I've never seen that this one either. This is a really good movie because Tinker Taylor is written by a guy, John Lacari, I think his name is. Okay. Lacari, Lacari, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, to be honest, but it's by the same writer who mm-hmm. wrote that. It's kind of his coming out book, the first thing that he really caught right. traction with, The Spy Who Came In From The Cold. But it's one of those movies, as soon as you put it on, it's got a beautiful opening shot, a really long wonder that goes through this checkpoint of where East meets West mm-hmm. of the German border in those days. Like Berlin you know? and all that. Exactly. I'm not sure where it falls, but like the Bridge of Spies. West Germany and East Germany. Yeah. And how that was a... So the Russians are on the one side and the mm-hmm. Americans and the Allied forces are on the other. And it starts out with this beautiful shot that pans around and keeps... You know, it's, it's a whole... It's um, credits roll and all that, but mm-hmm. uh, right away you can tell the way it moves and the way it feels that you're about to watch something that's really good. And the way it introduces the main character, too. It comes into a little booth, and he's got his back to the camera. And he has a you know minor interaction with a guy who comes and brings him out a cup of coffee. And he's just kind of a hard-nosed guy. An actor by uh, Richard Burton. Okay. I'm not really familiar with, but apparently it's a solid actor in his day. Cool. Like a stage guy who came to film, but Right away, man, I was like, damn, this is a good movie. And I love old black and whites. Hmm. It's just, I feel like with a black and white, I know I'm going on here a little bit. No, I love black and whites too. We're talking about I love black and whites because I think that you see the texture of the world so much more vividly in a black and white than you do the color pictures. I mean, it's it's so much more tangible to me Mm -hmm. to watch a black and white. I think something's lost. I mean, of course, there's stories that are better served with color but there are stores that are better served with black and white it's like you gotta have the right one yeah some people just go to black and white because they're going for a feel or a i don't know sense mm-hmm. of nostalgia or try to you know date a period you know but it's a very serious something... it's a very serious and um uh intuitive i think black and white stuff mm. like uh that's why i like a lot of the new york school of filmmaking the people like Noel yeah. no bombach and mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's something really real about the filmmaking. Yeah, I just think that you see more with the black and white in a strange way. Yeah, world, a grimy world, a gritty world, wet streets, the Mm -hmm. the the glisten of the light off of the you know the. I think it changes how you look at everything. Yeah, different. It's a whole different effect, and it's got to be the right story. I'm not saying that we should all just make black and white movies. No, absolutely not. And I think that some do that to an extent. Mm-hmm. You put something in black and white that maybe didn't really belong in it. But there is a clear difference. And for me personally, I really find them more beautiful. I do to too. To watch a black and white yeah. as opposed to a color film. I really do. You know what I really missed watching? Uh, it was a, I heard it was a real treat. It was um, you know, 2015, the uh, Mad Max uh, Fury Road. Oh, yeah. 
and then and they came out with this, the Chrome edition, version, right? right? Yes, oh, they, they had a little theatrical it. thing where yeah. they went around. I was like, man, I got to see that. I never got to see it. Yeah. And I really regret that. I wish they had come out during COVID. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> like, was a movie that took me, that caught me off. Yeah, too, man. Was that, that was my favorite film of I that year. I was never into Mad Max. I never, mm-hmm. I've seen bits and pieces, but I figured out what the hell. Somebody got it from me for something, a birthday or a Christmas. And I put it on. And I was blown away Absolutely. by that movie. Yeah. And that's one of those movies that I've Sucks seen you in. one time. Mm-hmm. And I almost don't want to watch it again because I want to preserve that, that moment. initial <laughs> the shock. sense of it. You know, like I don't want to watch it and then be like, oh, man, well, that kind of sucks. It's good it's like, oh, it sounds good, man. You know, <laughs> I don't want to have that. I, I've got a few on the shelves where it's like. I haven't gone back to them because I just enjoyed that first one yeah. so damn much that I don't want to mess with that. Man. Blade Runner is like that for me. That's yeah. I almost don't want to see it again just because it was never so beautiful. Seen that movie, man, we've talked about that before. It's man. it's just so beautiful to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the stuff I've been watching is um, the news. <laughs> <laughs> Turn the television. That's what I've been trying to do. It's Turn off the TV and put you know, a movie it's, on. It's, a, it's a, horror a horror film, film. <laughs> unlike anything else I've ever seen. It's a seen. really bad local horror film. <laughs> <laughs> international, apparently. <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing it's international now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You watch anything I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> anything jump out at you lately? <laughs> well, um... What? No, because I saw Wonder Woman, and uh, before How was that, oh man, a uh, train wreck. I mean, it was. Was it? You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're we're thinking Wonder Woman's going to save theaters, mm. or something, because of the COVID. You know, everybody's <laughs> suffering with yeah. that, and so, you know, for me as a film guy, I'm like, bring back theaters, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, risk your grandmother. I don't care, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just joking it had a but, pretty good trailer I'll say that yeah much. you know the first one that dropped was like okay, right this is, you know they had that song and they mm-hmm. know, cut it to it, and, you, know, it you know they had some successful stuff like, okay. to get you in the theater sure yeah. you know it looked pretty interesting you know they did a good job at that you know selling it but it's like DC is dead besides Wonder Woman mm. she's well, like the only one who made it out of the Joker, don't forget the Joker, man. Dumpster fire, yeah, but that you know, as far as what Zack Snyder started and was oh, supposed to survive, yeah, that's dead Marvel, and gone. It's dead. Besides Wonder Woman, dead as nails. Yeah, know. I mean, people are we'll they sure they're around, the Snyder cut. You know, people, there's people online. Yeah, what the hell is like, that about? Right, he just released a black and white Justice League. I'm pretty sure. Did he? <laughs> he thought putting it in black and white. I swear to God, I think his cut is black and white. Okay. I could be wrong, but shit, isn't that is, that's coming though, right? It's not it's happened spoke, already. I don't know if it happened already, but I've seen some about a Snyder cut for a Justice League. And yeah. I'm pretty sure it's black and white. I'm sorry, I, we descended into superhero know, stuff. Jesus, like, wasn't trying to go there, man. Well, that's why I was thinking of not even mentioning it. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you edit kept that part me. out, man. You know, I'm trying to engage in conversation. Here. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. No, Wonder Woman was plot-wise it was it was not very well planned out. I don't think. Um, I think that probably happened in the edit. Like there was good ideas there, but in the edit, a lot of it was probably changed for whatever reason. 
and it became something really convoluted and and um, kind of sad when you know when you watch it you're like oh man like it could have been I'm not gonna say it could have been so much better but it could have been better than it was for sure and just the idea of them bringing back that Trevor character um, oh Chris Pine's character right Chris right. Pine's character okay um, I never saw the original but I remember seeing that he was that's he a bad like idea a interest, pretty much yeah, it's just a bad idea to bring him back. Yeah. Hollywood has this obsession now with like bringing back all the old nostalgic ideas, basically how they did with Star Wars. You know, and to me, it's like it's like this scene in Tommy Boy with Chris Farley. You have you seen Tommy oh, Boy? Yeah, come on, <laughs> of course I have. Okay, I'm gonna try to paint this picture for you. <laughs> Chris Farley has this piece of bread at a restaurant and he's like I love you piece of bread I love you and then he destroys it in front of him yeah. he's like oh, oh, and the bread dies yeah. in front of you and you're like oh man that was mm. sad to watch they must just uh, which made it hilarious they must just think they're going to get the result because right the lady turns on the wing fryer for him and he gets his wings because of it. <laughs> they just think they're going to get their damn chicken wings if they just follow suit, man. I know, no. right? Yeah. But they end up destroying it, you know, because yeah. they love it so much. They love it too much, you know. Dude, I have not seen anything. Uh, we were talking about this yeah. yesterday. I have not. The last movie I saw that's a current, up-to-date movie was The Joker <laughs> when we went to theaters. That was beautiful, though, you wasn't know, it? late 19. Yeah, it was a damn good movie. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, we had a, you know, we talked about it. Had little issues with it, but all in all, I mean, there's, you can't deny it for being a very, very good movie and effective at what it was mm-hmm. able to do. Well, you and don't always want you don't always want an actor. The board. You know, you don't always want an actor to create you know this piece about them, themselves, basically. Mm-hmm. But they made a good choice by giving it to Joaquin Phoenix yeah. and just being like, "Go for it, man." Yeah, and he does. You say stole the show in a way, but. Once Good. when the dust settles, yeah. you see more. You see the filmmaking. Oh, yeah. And there is a lot it's behind there. Even the music. The music is really... Uh, he really thought about it. Yeah. Todd Phillips. Really, really good in that movie. But uh, He wasn't on my radar at all before then. I was like, oh, whatever. Never know too much about it. I was never yeah. into the hangovers all that much. It's yeah, I mean, who cares? Yeah. It's funny, but it's like not that funny to me. Just don't watch the current ones too much anymore, man. Yeah. One other one I briefly mentioned I watched again, which I love, is the wrestler. Yeah. Wrestler, man. I Mickey regret Moore. it. I still haven't seen that one. Yeah, I Anosky love Aronofsky. Oh my god. I mean, Black Swan is good, and that was yeah. Sl- you know, shortly thereafter, he good stuff. That probably more money, a bigger production, but shit, man, the wrestler is a phenomenal film. It's like a character it piece, really right? Is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's some plot, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely deals with him and his issues and good good father-daughter relationship, which a lot of times That's can awesome. come off too sentimental. Yeah. It almost does, but really walks the line in a really clever way and stays fresh and well-performed to the fact that you buy in mm-hmm. and you're there for it, you know, 100%. For me, anyways, when I watch, great. I don't get turned like because you know, sentimental can sometimes go south. You yeah, know, if it's not 
handled with care, but uh, the other that movie doesn't, man. And it's got the way it ends mm. is phenomenal. Yeah, it's, don't tell me. Oh no, I'm, I'm not even gonna go there. Trust <laughs> me, I would never spoil that. But it's got a great crescendo of an ending that's mm-hmm. just gorgeous to watch. You know, it's really, really, really good movie. Speaking of spoiling. Um, the movies we're going to be reviewing, uh, you can see them on YouTube for free. They're we're going to be right spoiling those. Because we'll be spoiling them up and down. That's for sure. And that's what we do here. So, you know, we talk about film. We want to talk about films in a way that's kind of an insider thing. But as filmmakers ourselves, um, we really respect what filmmakers go through to get their work out there. And because that's what we're trying to do. Um, but. These guys uh, have been in this industry around here for a while and doing good work. Uh, but they're, both of these films are on YouTube. Uh, a lot of the stuff that they put out is on YouTube, not all of it. But uh, Dominic Smith has this, has this uh, channel called, um, what is it, Dad's Twin Life um, twin Life Zone. Twin Life Zone. Kind of like Twilight Zone, but Twin Life Zone. Because he has twins, his, and he has a... I, had, I still haven't watched that show that he has about his daughters, but uh, there's there's a like a YouTube show. Really? Uh, yeah, on there. But he's got all these shorts on there. Uh, we're, we'll be talking about Van mostly, but um, because I still consider that his best film... Uh, even though it's only about a 10-minute short. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's working on a uh, feature, which it's called Waves, but I think he changed the title to Infestation or something like that. And that's still in the process of being made. That's been years, too, I think. I think I remember like three years ago, he was he released like a, not a rough cut, but kind of like... Um, a finished cut that he thought was finished and then he decided it wasn't finished. I don't know. We don't have them here tonight because in the future we plan to have um, a lot of these filmmakers coming out and talking to us on this podcast. Hopefully at least a higher up kind of representative. Yeah, a producer or writer. Sit down and and stand for it in a Mm -hmm. general kind of way. But these, so, but these guys are, will not be here, um, and maybe in the future we'll get them. But uh, this is our first episode, so the pilot. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which sometimes is better than the rest of the yeah. show. <laughs> the pilot. Sometimes it's terrible, <laughs> and you're like, "What were they thinking? <laughs> Why did they make this dumb show?" That's not the general consent. Yeah. So, yeah, Dominic Smith and Scott Sullivan. Um, I guess we could get into that. I mean, uh, Van kind of hit me. I didn't really expect it to be that good. I mean, it's called Van. You know, you think, what? I mean, is this about some dude in a van? Is this Chris Farley living in a van? Um, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, right. Vans kind of have a, you know, a stigma to them. You know, yeah. And Chester he's even the molester, you know. You think about something like that. Man, speaking of which, he's got another short called "Treat Street" that um, is a lady in a van, and I guess I could spoil that too. <laughs> she's <laughs> I she's seen this uh, one. 
She's, as you said, uh, the molester type. Yeah, really? Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of like it c- catches you off guard because you're like, you know, you expect the, the guy to be this bad, and then really it's the girl this time. Mm. But uh, that's a decent short as well, uh, like a Halloween, you know, set in the ho- uh, during Halloween. But um, Van is a pretty decent horror. It really kind of sucks you in in the sense that you're like, um, you know, it's evening, you know. It, I guess part of that was bothering you, which is the edit in the beginning where, wasn't it? Yeah, where she's a, nodding a, a out. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, there's you know, a character and she's driving at night and... She's, she's falling asleep. You're, 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 she's falling asleep behind you're the You're picking up on this pretty well, pretty early on that something's wrong and she's nodding off and, you know, as 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 a person who drives at night sometimes it's like you know don't make this mistake you can't make that kind of mistake of of nodding off but um so i liked that because it's like right right away you are you can relate to it mm-hmm. um we've all pretty much been there a hundred percent where you know you probably shouldn't be driving anymore but yeah. You're trying to get to where you're going. It's like, what else are you going to do? What are you going to do, right? You're going to call somebody? <laughs> you know, and for their case, they're in the middle of nowhere, at least so it seems. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got a pretty nice kind of drone shot that gives you scale there. It's just yeah. very dark. There's nothing out there, you know. So what are these two girls late mm-hmm. driving going to do? This is part of the good production design of this film, along. I think, too, because you, you mentioned how they're out there in the middle of nowhere and and I, they really set that up Dominic really sets it up to where it's very stark you're seeing you're seeing this drone shot pretty early on yeah. and it's nighttime so there's this 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 little sliver of light where the road is and the car driving and so it's very stark and she um, has this moment where you think maybe she's nodded off to sleep mm-hmm. And then she wakes up, and the car is. Thank goodness, the car is still at a stoplight, or no, at a. It's like a railroad stop sign crossing or I something. Think. Yeah, I think it's a flashing light of a crossing, mm-hmm. or like at least like a light that's not currently. Oh, the light came from the right. the church sign, right? Yeah, there is a church sign, yes. but I think what we're seeing coming through the windshield is maybe Some a light kind of where light. one way is a flashing mm-hmm. red and one way is a flashing yellow. Okay, yeah. or a railroad crossing, but I think it it might be that where I don't know what the hell you call that yeah where if you're coming at the red you're supposed to stop and if you're Mm -hmm. coming at the yellow you're supposed to you know like a a warning kind of thing yellow has right away red needs to stop I think it's that kind of an intersection yeah I don't need to get held up there but this is yeah yeah when she wakes up we're going to talk about traffic and traffic stuff yeah (laughs) I don't know no no, I guess the point was um, it's very stark, visually, which is good, um, because what you do see is important. Everything you see is important. Mm-hmm. You see this this Definitely. sign, church this sign. church yeah. sign, right? And it says, uh, "What does it say?" I think it says, "All men die." Yes, all men die, but not all too. men live. Okay, there you go. Yeah, something like and then that. It says forty-seven degrees. Right. I was curious about that forty-seven <laughs> degrees because she's in a t-shirt. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> that's a good point. Shirt, but I, you know, it was like you know. Put that aside. Is but, she cold? Yeah. She um, but so yeah, it's probably in Florida. It's probably like the dead of in winter. Florida cold. Florida, Florida, Florida cold. You'd be freezing. You yeah. Know, 
You'd be cold, man. That's a cold 47. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's a nice shot that he's got framed there. It was a nice shot. And he focuses. You know, he does that. Mm-hmm. I, think they, I think they call it a dry focus shot. Maybe, Rack focus? Or... Where you pull from her right. face and you drop, you know, you, you pull in the sign and then we right. come back to her face. Just really simple, nice shot. You the know, messaging is death. Yes, I know the background. What is mm-hmm. going on with death here? Yeah. And, you know, is, is, is this significant to the plot? Obviously it is. Um, and we don't know what happened call. because she is nodding out and then mm-hmm. suddenly she's parked. So we are kind of hit to the idea something happened in that moment that yeah. we didn't get to see. Right. And this is only like a minute into it. I mean, yeah, if that even she maybe. gets a phone call from her friend. We find out that she was out at a party with her friend. Her mm-hmm. friend's not with her. Friend wants to be picked up. But something else is wrong, right? Her friend is freaked out. Um, but Linda, the actor Linda Roser, um, what is her character's name? Do you remember? The like, one driving or the one the on one the driving. side of the road? I don't remember. I don't remember. But yeah, she, she's Laura not paying attention. the name of the girl who's making the phone call. Right. The, you know, who she's worked up and she's, she's scared. Mm-hmm. Her name is Laura. Laura. I'm pretty sure. But she's not paying attention to what her friend is saying on the other end. She's not, you know, so this is all, this is all there to give, to raise the tension, mm-hmm. you know. First of all, she's nodding off. This raises tension. Then there's the sign of with death. This makes you question or raise tension. Then she calls and says, I need help. But, but she's not listening. This raises tension. Um, and so this is really you know, strategically placed stuff, uh, you know, and I, I really like elegant filmmaking like that. It's, it's like they're, they're not add, adding too much fluff. Yeah. They're really getting to the point. Um, the music really serves it as well, you know, because she plays this kind of lighthearted tune while she's driving. Yeah, while well, she's not yeah. out, right, to try it's to almost wake up too at light-hearted. 2.59, right? Yeah, so it's like, we're right do, on the do, verge do, of 3 a.m. Death. And that's like, <laughs> but, uh, it's ironic in that she way. She has a really nice moment in that first little exchange with her friend mm-hmm. where the girl on the phone has a really abrupt, like, hey, right. listen. Right. And she's like, damn, I'm what's, pretty sure the friend's name is Julia. She's like, damn, Julia. Yeah. What's up? She does that really well. That feels very natural. Right. Because like I say, I'm kind of, the way the nodding out thing goes, I wasn't sold. I was kind of, you know, drifting away from it. But mm-hmm. it was that moment where I was like, oh, okay. You got my attention. This is pretty good. Yeah. You know? Like, this is a good Linda's a pretty solid she's, actress. Yeah. She was carrying those lines. It was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I was in it. I was back in it at that point. Plus, I was like, oh, wow, this girl's, the other one's really scared. Whatever yeah. the hell's going on, you know? Yeah, she did a good job at that. Yeah, she's got a really nice moment right there. I thought I'd make mention of it. So you found out that, you find out something's wrong. Uh, her boyfriend is doing weird stuff mm. that she didn't really like. Travis. Yeah, and she wants to be picked up right away. Um... What else happens? Oh, then we see the van behind. Yeah, I mean, you could see it, you know, for yeah. sure. It's it's in the background of her. But that's just a really nice shot, too. I love that shot that she's on that corner and mm-hmm. the street lights is, you know, it's casting the light down on her. And it's a really simple kind of left to right 
really soft, slow track. Right. And they do they start the split screen at that time, you know? Yeah, which is with really the phone call and everything. Right. You know, which is cool. But in that first bit, I think, yeah, pretty much she's just saying that something happened and she wants to get picked up and she's saying that she heard noises coming from the, from the roommate's bedroom mm-hmm. or something. And so our lead kind of blows it off saying that she's listening to, you know, his roommate you know, with a girl kind of thing. And she keeps kind of pulling us deeper and deeper into this, the terror of this. I like what he did with this. I mean, this was really good. So uh, th- this whole time ratcheting up tension, you almost think it can't get more tense. But Dominic, no, I think, really knows what to do here. He's, he's got to add something that's more than just these two girls talking on the phone, freaking out. He's got to add something that ups the stakes. So she finds, she gets the uh, address, she finds out it's right next door to where she is, which is even more strange. Um, and then the van that was behind her friend on the phone ends up being right in front of her, in front of this little convenience store. Mm-hmm. When I say her, I mean Linda, not Linda the actress, uh, Laura, right? I think Laura is the I think friend. Laura. Makes me think of right. Laura Palmer. Uh, Twin Peaks, but I, I, I forget, man. But yeah, so then they get this great two shot between the van and the girl in the c- car, uh, Laura. Uh, we'll just call her Laura, I guess. Um, I think Laura's a friend, man. Right? Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure the one who makes no, the wait, phone that's call Julie. Is Julia? Yes, yeah, Julia. Okay, so then I'm wrong. That's okay. No, she, she, so, so Laura, because the reason I remembered is Linda and Laura, same first, same, okay, you know. Yeah. Two L's. But um, so then Laura has to like go, what is going on with this van? And is she in this van? Because, of course, the van lights come on in this ominous way, Mm. you know, signaling somebody's in there. So she has to walk up slowly and the music's starting to like really rise. And he just really elegantly like outlays all this stuff. She goes to the van. She goes to the back of the van. And then it just gets really crazy because the Julie on the other end is like, no, this is not what's going on. Like, because she realizes at but one she point. she has another, before, I, I don't mean to cut across you, but she's no. got a really good moment. I think before she gets on the phone to speak with a friend again, mm-hmm. where she's addressing the van and thinking she's hearing something inside. Right. And she's very scared in the moment she says something to the extent of if you guys are messing around right now you know <laughs> let me know and she Don't sells be... this really well she's you know because she's really freaked out but yeah. she's also she does trying to be really brave good, man it's a really nice another little bit of performance right there where she's sells it man big time and the funny thing is a this minute. is only a 10 minute short mm-hmm. i feel minutes. i feel like we've talked about this film longer than the short before we get to the van, I like when the phone loses connection and we see the headlights of the van turn on. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this. There's a pretty heavy kind of audio cue to the van headlights come on, which I felt like didn't really need to be there because we're all kind looking the at the drop. van and the lights alone. The sound yeah, drop. Yeah, the lights like alone boom. would, for me, you know, be a little more effective. But that's, you know, I don't want to split hairs. But I like the sound drop. It's good. Then, yeah. Yeah. So, exactly, you know, you like it, I'm not too crazy about it, so I think it could go either way, 100%, mm-hmm. so I'm not trying to rag on it, but then she gets a phone call from the boyfriend, the guy Travis, and he had yeah. this really creepy Chris Plord. 
of his face and her because at first we hear the phone ringing we assume it's going to be the friend calling back after they lost connection but it's mm-hmm. actually the boyfriend who was kind of incriminated in their conversation because right. of the blood on her neck and that kind of thing and it's a really creepy face he comes on the phone and it's just staring and not saying anything yeah and Chris a does a good really moment. great job of really just staring moment. into like the say, emptiness. You just take it to the next level. Yeah. Now we have something else in play here. It gets creepier. Right. It gets creepier, and it keeps getting creepier and creepier, and it really builds to something. They know? I almost feel that Chris was a little much because he does a great job, a great performance, and he really has emptiness in his eyes there, which is which is unlike him. I've I've, I've never seen him in. All the performances I've seen him do, I've never seen him have that kind of performance, which is, you know, really unsettling. But um, often he's like the nice guy or the boyfriend in his roles. Um, it's just kind of like a nice guy. So this was really unexpected for me. But one of the things I think that's too much was that in the end of their, of, of you seeing him on the other end, looking into, into nothingness, he... He starts kind of yeah. freaking out yeah. on camera. He like eats the camera. Yeah, he it's like, like eats mouth the, him. You know, like, uh, and you're, yeah. of course, this is supposed to be very freakish sure. and horror, horrific. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I felt like it, it was almost too much because I don't know. With the whole point of the story, it feels like what did that symbolize to me? Except that it's just to a try bit to of a, make you a little uneasy. But yeah. It's, it's almost jump scare. what would yeah. that play like if we just didn't see that. And it was just a solid shot of his face and then another loss of connection. Yeah, that you know? might have been more interesting. That might have been more interesting. Yeah. As opposed to going for another kind of... Because we're just we're coming right off the heels of the, the van lights. Mm-hmm. We come right into this bit with the boyfriend on the phone. Right. And we have another hard kind of action to bring us to the next... Mm-hmm. scene or moment you know it's like well we kind of double down there a right. little bit you know but so again bringing us to the back of the van she makes her way to the back of the van and this is nearing the end of the film and yes like i said we're spoiling this entire thing if you haven't seen this you're probably going to hate bad. my guts <laughs> or whatever like what are you doing you're spoiling all these films you're like basically giving us a blow by blow of what happens in this film like okay i get it point well taken but like i said we're spoiling the entire thing. We're saying what we like about each of these moments, and you know, whatever, take it or leave it. Yeah. But uh, so we get to the end of it, and the girl on the other end, Julie, says, "No, like I think that we're dead, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, almost basically, like everything you've seen is in the imagination of Laura. Yeah. Like she's imagining it, or it's like it's real, but it's not." in our world it's like in yeah. hell or something another dimension or yeah. she's on her way she's like in between right, right. Like in a sense maybe and in that's a dream what state the, a little bit like that's what the devil slash grim reaper kind of right character he's, he shows is. he's up. coming to bring her to where yeah the other friend he's already super is. creepy he is pretty I mean, creepy he did yeah. it. The, the thing I loved about the design of this reaper is that most reapers are on like some black cloak right like big black cloak well he has that, but the way they did the color in this and the way they did the lighting, the black cloak is almost like burning a hole in the screen. Do you know what I mean? Like, it is shadow. Mm. And I, I loved how, they, how he did that. And I almost feel like it was 
a visual effect the way he did it. Like he knew how to get the blackest blacks on this cloak that this Grim Reaper has. And then the Grim Reaper also is not just the typical one where it's just a skeleton face or something like that. You know, or just a void <laughs> where the face should be. You know, yes, it's, like, it's got a smiling face with like these long teeth and like a slimy face. Uh, smiling. It's face. like no, but I mean, sli- like it's it glistens like it's it does. It's like a high gloss. Again, it's like a, a visual effect. A, you know, but it's very very sheen. effective. <laughs> but yeah, not to talk paint too much, but. <laughs> I really, I, you know, like I have to hand it to him because even though all these elements seem very simple, the way I laid it out, when you watch it, the way that the texture and the tone work and, you know, um, the pacing of it, it's just very elegant. It's like a song. And it really shows that Dominic has his background in music and that he's inspired by music because the whole thing feels like a really well laid out song from beginning to end. And, uh, which makes it even more tragic because basically there's stories about these two girls going to hell because they did not do the right thing when they drove home. They were driving home. Next we discuss salvage. There you go. So he's got some really good concepts. Um... We could go to Scott Sullivan because Scott Sullivan and Dominic work together like constantly. Scott's Dominic's uh, DP typically, and uh, Dominic does editing as well as directing, and Scott does mostly does camera and sometimes directs. Um, I like these guys. They're 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 solid filmmakers. Uh, they so can do was, good commercial was work. A collaboration? Did they work together on Van? I think that he did the. Camera work there as well. And yeah. On Salvage, was the other guy involved in Salvage? I don't think Dominic was involved with Salvage, yeah. yeah. So, so um, Scott, I think when he directs, he does it all himself, basically. Okay. Um, but Salvage is a sci-fi, it's like a straight sci-fi, kind of like in the vein of Alien or Aliens with the Space Marines and... Definitely plural. Yeah, aliens. aliens. Yeah, Definitely absolutely. Because the the tone is all different. Yeah. The pacing is more action, more Colonial like an action Marines film feel to it. Right. You know? Alien is. Alien is more dramatic, and yeah, you know, for sure. And and you know, it's got this beauty to it in that way, which Ridley Scott's just uh, he's yeah. such a master with that. Um, but Scott Sullivan's Salvage is kind of, you know, I'm not going to say it's as good as Van. Um, I don't even know how long it is. What is it, like 15 minutes long? 15 minutes. Yeah. 15? 15 minutes. Five um, years ago, 15 minutes. And it didn't need to be that long either, did it? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah. No, I know, you can really. see. <laughs> you don't like it as much as me. No, well, not as much as you, yeah. Yeah. I, maybe there's some uh, personal stuff to it because I was, I was involved with the you know, this is this was I guess part of the action of film challenge, which is Daniel Brienz's, uh It's kind of like his forty-eight hour film festival thing around here, mm-hmm. where he gives people a month to make a decent short film instead of like two days to make a piece of junk. You know, yeah. and think that you're making yeah. good films. 
which is my biggest gripe with 48-hour film project is like I think filmmaking you should put time and energy into, and thought into what you're making you know try to make art and I think that films should be art um, there's no reason you can't make good commercial work and also make art there's no reason absolutely you can't do that so but Hollywood they have a talent for just making it all about the money and kind of parasitically using artists for their own aims um, so you know I think salvage is like uh, it suffers from a little bit of that time the time demands of, mm-hmm. of, of making a film in a competition you know the thing I like about salvage is the stuff that you a lot of the stuff you actually don't see in the film which is the storytelling the, the basic foundational concepts of the story I like it because it it's true that he borrows it from James Cameron and aliens or in some of his other work uh, like uh, the abyss, but like it's basically got familial and comfortable relationships that we all understand in the midst of this harrowing um, environment, which is also a sci-fi world, and we're trying to understand the sci-fi universe that they've created. But in the middle of all that is this familial relationship, you know, that we all understand. So it creates this kind of like dichotomy or this uh, point and counterpoint between something that's you know um, very kind of sci-fi and it's very slick you know it's it's sophisticated but then on the other end of the spectrum it's it's intimate and um, intuitive and you know there's real characters that you kind of learn to care about now I mean with the competition, I think the characters become more paper thin, but they've got some good, some good acting in it, especially the father, right? That guy's good. That guy's pretty good. Yeah, he really um, is. The that's daughter a, that's was really solid performance. Playing opposite to him, so she was, I think, getting a lot of his energy. Yeah. Um, but Anya, I guess her character was. Yeah. Um, she didn't impress me as much, but. Um, she did play into that relationship, which I think was, was good. So I guess let me, lay, let me lay out what happens in this. It starts out, start out with this really super slick visual effect shot. <laughs> that Tim is like, what the uh, hell is what this? The hell is this? No, what I will say about <laughs> it is that I like it's effective in the way that it holds and it's steady and it's mm-hmm. a simple approach to the ship. Yeah. And we get drawn in and it's, there's, it thrusts you right into the building. story. Yeah. But the shot is really simple, and the ship mm-hmm. comes in slow and steady, and like you say, boom, we drop boom. right into the yeah. middle of a showdown. The middle, right. Two groups who are about to... About to kill each, each other. other's friggin' heads Yeah, up. which I yeah. really enjoyed that. Like, yeah. it really gets you right into the... Into Good the, energy, man. Into the... Right, into yeah. the plot right That's away. Forward. Thrusting you forward. And uh, so there's these space marines, you know, a la aliens going, you know, put your guns down, and they're all pointing at each other. And so you have these uh, salvagers, I guess you could call them. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. salvagers, scrappers. Yeah, scrappers. You know, they're, like, they're like the guys <laughs> who go out and find boats, and, mm-hmm. you know, they're like... 
claim it, make a, make a claim. Law, they can, yeah, take the yeah. shit, you know. I, I, that, that's yeah. part of what I like about this yeah. is, it, is it kind of applies that world of, um, you know, ships and stuff into space and, you know, how maybe kind of like how Star Trek does that to some degree. But there's, there's a culture there. Yeah, exactly. You got two opposing yeah. cultures. You have right. the, the, the militant group, right, mm-hmm. very structured, very organized against the yeah. civilians the rough and tumble you know pretty rough they're gonna the they're gonna claim their can, rights yeah, can, to this hulking you know, spaceship they're, they're like the frontiersmen versus yeah. the the cavalry right mm-hmm. and we have this showdown between the two it's, it's all pretty or like pirates versus like you know the british yeah naval the, the fleet, yeah, guys who are like taken over you know mm-hmm. and in, in a way you you sometimes side with the pirates and sometimes you side with law and order mm-hmm. you know but there's this there's this battle there between almost like good and evil there um but i don't want to put i don't want to put too much <laughs> on this because it's i don't think yeah. that they're trying to go for that kind of depth no but i think you, they are trying to show you, you that, I mean, the guys in, a, in like a hawaiian shirt and the other guy is in Aliens, tactical right gear, yeah. right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, they are trying to show you that, you know, yeah. I would say. They Maybe are. not to the extent that we're kind of, you know, laying right. on a little thick. But that's that's a general idea, the, the well, clash he's, of the two worlds. You know, right? when you draw from a great work like Aliens, yeah. you're going to get some kind of nuance that's automatically there. Even if you don't think about it, it's mm-hmm. just going to be there. So that was a smart move. Um so then there's this interaction, the, the, the father comes in, who's the leader of the Salvagers, and is like, we're going to calm down, and everyone calm down. And then the Marine guy is like, we're here to do our job, and we're going to do it, damn it. Mm. And then the father is like... You're taking orders from me. You know, right, the father is like, so we no, we're going to be reasonable, measuring contest. but yeah. if you get in my way, you know, like, forget about it. So, so then they have to inspect. It's funny that... One of the things I don't like about this film is that they don't show, and I understand why they couldn't do this, but it, it's almost like they both showed up at the very same moment on this this salvage ship. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Like, how... I like that it happened. I really like that you yeah. thrust right into it, but then you're like, wait, wait a second. Did they literally both come in in different ships and the doors opened at the same time and they both came out with guns blaring how did that happen um and you know like realistically speaking i don't care but you know because the elements of the film are really what matters you know like the tone and the emotionalism of it of the scene is really what matters but i do wish i knew what happened there you know, at least something like a, a little tidbit, like um, a hint. But anyway, this happens. They're thrust into conflict. Then, but they have to kind of make it work. And there's in, there's relationships that have this, um, you know, very inbuilt drama and conflict. You know, the father daughter, um, and then there's the Marines in the. The salvagers, like we mentioned, there's these inherent relationships, and then they gotta, and then they have to search the ship. Okay, I don't know exactly what they're looking for. I kind of, in a way, I don't care because the salvagers are basically looking for value they can get out of this. The second time mess. I watched it, I understood more what they're doing there. Yeah, they're trying to check something about the engine to make sure that it's aligned. Okay, before yeah, before they take oh, off. Right. 
right? Because they can't just drive the ship in its current right. condition. That, or they want to make sure that it's up to speed. And yeah, they can actually take it somewhere. So the Marines want to just go. Yeah. You know, and the guy's like, hey, nobody's going to have a ship if we don't go down there and check it out. That's right. Basically. Exactly. Yeah, so you're, you're right. That's split up. We got to make sure the ion drive or whatever works. Yeah, exactly. And they did do a really good job with the lingo. Yeah. The kind of like a sci-fi lingo. The main guy and how he delivers those lines with ease. Some of those lines. Yeah, you got to deliver it like it's nothing, right? You got to deliver it like you belong in this world. Mm -hmm. I I can't stand sci-fi movies. Have you seen these sci-fi movies where they say it like they just read it on a script? Yeah. And like. This this is supposed to mean something. This is really important, you know. Um, but really, if you lived in that world, it would be like nothing. You'd be yeah. talking about the weather or whatever when you're talking about an ion drive. And mm-hmm. so, I love I love sci-fi that does that because it's to me it's it means the script is part of the world building, and it 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 becomes part of the team that make the world building work, as opposed to getting in the way with world building which to me sci-fi and world building you can't have good sci-fi without good world building and fantasy as well you know you gotta like what are the rules of this universe you kind of have to establish that pretty early on um, but this is a, and again another reason I like this film is because it borrows world building from aliens it kind of borrows it from other successful projects so a lot of people would say that's cheesy, and I, I, you know, it can be very cheesy. I think I try to be a really kind of original filmmaker with my ideas. And so if I was to do it, I probably wouldn't be that blatant about it. Mm. But I think for this project, being a competition, being, you know, just something you have to get in and get out with, I think that was a very smart move, mm. you know, to just kind of borrow someone's world building yeah, yeah for sure I mean in that idea it's like how genres function I mean everybody who makes a genre yeah. picture you're making number 250 in a long line of them and mm-hmm. that serves you because people exactly. understand what they're seeing right away you don't have to explain every single individual particular you know? right and that's it's effective it's mm-hmm. useful you know so I yeah. wouldn't say that I feel like it's necessarily that wasn't what I had a problem with for sure right you know, I wasn't really like, whatever yeah. It's all good. You did mention the effects that, you know, um, something that weren't, didn't impress you. Yeah. Basically. No, 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 no. I agree. I mean, they weren't impressive. Um, I think they, they just told the story or they, or at least they sold, they sold it enough to get you into the story. Mm-hmm. Um, really the location to me. That's did a one much of the better best job. things this movie had going for it. Yeah, was they really location, used a ship, you know? uh, some kind of, I don't know what kind of ship it was besides it being a pretty decently yeah. it would, built it ship. It looked like yeah. kind of ship. Maybe the opening scene kind of looked maybe more like a, a big garage or something. I remember seeing tools on the walls, like yeah. a pegboard with yeah. a bunch of tools hanging on it. So. so that was probably a different location. Could have been a different location mm-hmm. that first shot, but regardless, the location works and I think they create a pretty solid atmosphere within that location with the yeah. flashlight work and the right. slight fog that's kind of, you know, you create that aerial diffusion and the beams of the light kind of mm-hmm. cut through it. And, you know, pretty necessary. They, a lot, a lot of, of handheld yeah. shakiness. I feel like they over relied on that, 
that to me started to get a little. I didn't notice that too much. No. But um, yeah, I do think me. it was it was a longer scene than it needed to be, and it probably mm-hmm. did have too much of that. Um, I just mean overall, the film oh, really yeah. rests on shaky handheld work. You know, almost yeah. every shot is, and I get it. Like you're trying to create some kind of kinetic energy, but mm-hmm. that to me got a little overdone somewhat I think it, you know but i like the atmosphere that was created in those corridors really narrow at times right. you know and then just overall man i thought it created a decent atmosphere on my second watch i was mm-hmm. like okay i see what's going on here you know and it, that, compared it to van i think the um i think van relies on good plot structure more than this one and as a result um, the plot structure helps drive it forward much better. Mm. And this kind of uh, flounders. This one kind of flounders a little bit. Um, and, and also, when you, get, when you get to each segment of the story, it doesn't hit you as hard emotionally mm-hmm. because the structure isn't as tight. Um, people yeah. really underestimate the importance of story structure in that way. It can really, like, when, you're, when you've got a t- tight story structure... You almost don't have to worry about that much um, as it comes to, like, how am I going to construct this story? Like, how is the edit going to end up being? You already know, like, because these pieces fit together perfectly. And, like, if you didn't have one of them, the whole thing would kind of fall apart. So, you know, in a way that can be bad for you because then you you don't have much to play with edit-wise. But I think if you do a really good job shooting it, if if you know what you're getting then it just really works, you know, like they, they say about some directors in a complimentary way, he knows what he wants or she knows what she wants as a director. And sometimes you're like, well, I hope so. <laughs> you know, you're directing this whole project. Yeah. But then you're like, okay, I think I understand there's, there's, more, there's more to it there. There's like, you're not, you're not so iffy when you get to set about what shots you're doing and why you're doing them. You know, which a lot of directors can be that way. You can be a little bit kind of like, well, we could do this, we could do that, and you get a little wishy-washy, mm. you know. And, but some directors can pull that off, and they're more abstract thinkers, but, they, but they, they don't mess up with storytelling. They know how to make good stories, even with that really loosey-goosey kind of thinking when you're on set. Mm. But that takes a certain kind of filmmaker, I think a lot of filmmakers, you have to really have a really good grasp of story structure. And you also have to be good at, when you're shooting, you've got to know what you're shooting that day. You know, and that really shows in the edit. You know, I think actors, when actors know what they're doing, they look for directors that make good product. So they're going to be watching a lot of films, they're going to be saying... This director knows what they're doing because, you know, when I'm on set with them, they're asking me to do very specific things, and that can be restricting as an actor, or you can look at it like, I've seen their previous work, I know that what they're asking me to do is going to have value in the edit, it's going to have value in the storytelling, so I trust them, you know, <clears throat> and that, I think that builds a lot of trust between actor and director. But if you're not an actor who's really doing that, you're not seeking out good directors who make good stories and know how to do that, 
then I think you're often going to just accept whatever work you get. And then um, you could end up looking bad in the edit <laughs> as, a, as an actor. And you don't want that. So people, actors need to do that, I think, more than, than they do. Um, but yes, yeah, Scott Sullivan, Salvage, also on YouTube. Any final words on it or... Yeah, I mean, oh, we didn't even get to the end yet. Yeah, right? I mean, talk more about the plot and where we go. Well, space just like zombies, aliens, man. right? There's there's the xenomorph, but with this, yeah. it's space zombies. Space like you said, zombies. it's it's yeah. like oh, there's some salvage on this ship. You know, there's something in the ship that's mm. that we didn't expect. Oh, it's space zombies. It's, they're going to kill us all. So um, that's one of the kind of films Scott Sullivan does. He does some zombie films there's another film he does called Harbinger also on YouTube and um, that one was superior to this one as it comes to I think how he portrays the zombies mm. he has better makeup yeah I gotta say the zombies in this was not they just, didn't sell it very well yeah you know they saw just like t-shirts and there was no kind of there wasn't any thought put into uh, it yeah there was it was like an afterthought Right. And I know that they were dealing, they were dispatching them pretty quickly. As soon mm-hmm. as they came in the frame, everybody's getting a headshot. <laughs> like, they're all dead immediately as right. soon as you see them. But still, we get glances of them, and they were not dolled up at no. all. You know, and that, that was... They got people off the street, you know, and... That's what it looked like. Just yep. I saw a lot of, you know, just straight T-shirts, and I don't know what they were really going for there. It just seemed like a massive oversight to mm-hmm. let that go without really right yeah. so um, I think a lot of that was a, probably a result of the whole competition aspect of it yeah the time frame I do wish they hadn't just tacked that on there you know it feels like a throwaway kind of thing yeah it really does um, unfortunately yeah. and it shows it, mm-hmm. it just does there's no way to watch that movie and not notice it so it there's, kind of there's, goes downhill there's one the part yeah. um, where they're in the narrow hallway and they're about to get back to the father because they mm-hmm. make the connection and there's a I big guy. I did like guy. that aspect of it. There's a big guy, a big zombie in the right. hallway. I think they have some you know, prosthetics or whatever you want to call it on his face to make mm-hmm. him look a little zombie-esque. You know, right. He's, from what I remember, the only one yeah. that can see that. You know. Yep. Yeah, there was, a, I guess, a little bit of a... They did have a little bit of a plot there where... It's not like they had no plot, you know, but I think compared to then, it wasn't as tight. But they did have a moment where, um, I guess, when everybody was going out to find the value of this uh, salvage and, you know, do the ion drive engine mm-hmm. and all that stuff, then they that's when they the, the zombies come out and they have to start shooting zombies, which look like, you were saying before, they look like they were shooting at each other. Because they didn't make I wasn't it obvious. Sure, at first. Yeah. You know, the first like, time. What are they shooting at? You know. And uh, but then they so then they end up getting stuck in this room, and they think it's a, uh, I guess like a like a life vessel. A life yeah, boat. like the, the father leads them there, right? Mm-hmm. So they get to the point where he's isolated, and they're somewhere, and he's telling them to get to a lifeboat. Mm-hmm. Is what he says, and he's getting them into a specific room, and he right. has 
a different reason for leading them to that particular spot. On the yeah, he, he decides that he needs to, uh, I guess, aerate or... Yeah, like vent, vent the ship yes, to basically ship. open it and expose all of the other compartments to yep. space. To, the, to space, basically. And so to get rid of the to zombies. To get rid of the, you know, the... In the process, zombies. he would be killing himself. Yeah. So um, sacrificing himself. So this is a good plot element, you know, like he's mm. gonna save himself for for everybody and his daughter, and um, she breaks down, you know, yeah. emotionally, which you know was an okay moment. It wasn't like really, really great drama, but I felt it was better like, about it second time watching it. 100%. Yeah, I was more bought in mm-hmm. the second round, for sure. First time it felt really abrupt, out of nowhere, and it really hit with. I'm not trying to call out the music, but pretty sappy music, you know. Yeah, the music. Try, really fun. trying to drive it home where it almost feels like, don't even go there with the music. Let the performance carry that. Let something get me there naturally instead of really mm-hmm. being like tugging on the leash. Like, over here, boy. You right, know? right. We're supposed to be sentimental now, you know. Mm-hmm. It gets a, a little heavy-handed, but I was more in it. On the second watch, for sure. Yeah. I think the guy does a really good job in that moment. And she, that's probably her best her best moment in the in the movie. Yeah. Is is there. The w- one other time towards the end, I think, might actually be her, her best moment. But uh, he does a great job. And it's well, a pretty, she saves pretty solid him, scene. Then they look at each other, you know. In the doorway. Like, that's the best. Yeah. yeah that's. Like a knowing, sure. a, they give each other a knowing look. Yeah. You know. That's what I would say. I think is is her, her shining moment. In yeah. The picture, but uh, that's not a bad one. You know, like you say, it's it's, it's a noble attempt, to bring in these familial bonds, in the middle of this right. action. Otherwise, it's just point A to point B, and it's just a lot of shooting yeah. and a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. and a, a lot, lot of action, sense. man. You know, and a lot of shaky camera. Right. And it's like oh shit. Without but that, where is it really? Good char- yeah. Some good character development, um, some fun world building. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, I have a bit of a story with it, too, because the, the way I discovered it was I was actually a judge at one of these The Honorable John thing. Croft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. John. <laughs> How did I do with my filmmaking? <laughs> I don't know. You know, so it was just, it, yeah, it was just kind of like uh, me and Dan are friends. So he was like, "Are you available? Can you judge this thing?" It was me and pay, I guess three or four other people. Joe Davidson was one of the people, um, which he's been a judge there lots of times, um, and I was one of the people who were like, "This should win it." You know, this so this film basically won the best film of the night. Uh, this was probably like five years ago, and. Um, and I was impressed with it. I, I, that was, I discovered Scott Sullivan, and I was like, you know, you, you've got something there. This could, because that was kind of, that was kind of what, I, what I loved about it, and it's also what I dream of doing. Because I'm not just a director; I'm a producer. So when I think of good producing, it's like it's kind of like you're discovering people, you're discovering talent, mm-hmm. and you want to be, you know, like like the music industry right you want to be the first person to discover this talent mm. and then like become their agent or whatever and yeah. then and then like you guys are you know going to success together and as a producer that's kind of how you think about things a lot of the time mm-hmm. is discovering a good director or writer or actor 
and then you want to be part of their success. Um, so, you know, this is kind of how I felt about Scott at this time. I was like, this guy's really got something uh, because the film itself lacked a lot. You know, like it, it lacked a lot of technical savvy. Um, it lacked a lot of um, editing stuff that should have taken place. Mm. Music selections were not great. I mean, stuff like that. And that's what happens with a competition. Yeah. You know, it's like a lot of things like that are not going to be there. And like if you know how to watch a, watch a rough cut, which a lot, most people probably don't know how to watch a rough cut, you have to have measured expectations. You have to, you have to understand these things are not going to be there. So you have to have a really good imagination to fill in those things in your mind and say, had those things been there, would this have been a really good film? And that's what I saw in Salvage. I was like, this is not the greatest film ever. Yeah. Considering the circumstances, it's pretty decent because it has things that a lot of filmmakers can't fake. You just can't fake good storytelling in the middle of, uh, I guess, a situation environment that thrusts you forward and excites you. So like that's those two elements, the way Jan James Cameron does it and a lot of other filmmakers that are really exceptional, they know how to tie those two elements together in storytelling. And so I think this was what he was doing correctly. And you know, there was a lot of stuff you can improve later, technical stuff, to make it really shine as a film later on. So like, for example, this salvage could be a proof of concept for a feature. Um, and you know, this is one of the rare films that I could say that about, you know? Van actually, it's a great film, but I don't see it as a proof of concept for a feature. It's too simple. Yeah, no, it's small. You know? it's a, yeah, yeah it's a, it's a, it is what it is. It yeah, knows what it is. Through and through, it's a, just a short right. story. It's a short mm -hmm. film. It's know? an exceptional short. Yeah. Um, and Salvage is, a good, I, I think, a proof of concept, essentially. Um, but like Van, it's like, I've seen shorts on YouTube that were like, people were like, oh, this is a great short, you should look. It's not as good as Van. Like, a lot of these are just not as good as that. Yeah. Like, um, who's that guy who did Lights Out? Brian Sandberg or something? Lights he's, Out. I think he's a Swedish director who came to the came stateside to make more films. He got discovered on YouTube when he did this little short. And it was not as good as Van. But he got discovered with this short and then ended up making Lights Out. And now he has a, has a stellar career in, hmm. in Hollywood. Wow. Um, and he's yeah, a, he's a decent filmmaker. But like that, see, that's what it says to me is Dom, Dominic Smith could be in Hollywood now, like making amazing films. Um, but he hasn't been discovered, hmm. you know? Um, he's working on a, a feature now um, and a lot of other stuff. and he, working as an editor to make money you know but the dude is a great filmmaker he should be out there yeah. <coughs> he's just got to be Van, yeah no i got to be found you know we're talking about salvage like you said okay so you're looking at it as like a proof of concept 
And I'm just not there in my mind. Mm-hmm. When I'm watching it, I'm watching it for what it is. Right. You know, and I can't right. get out of that. And I understand that it's a, it has the time restraints and everything, but I feel like that story relies on a lot of... And I'm not... Because like I say, I like the atmosphere of it. I like the location of it. I thought mm-hmm. there were some pretty solid performances in it. I think some of the action is effective in what it does. But it is an action film, right? right? I mean, at its heart, it's an action film. How effective is it at accomplishing the action? I can't say that it was super effective. It relied on a lot of computer effects, you know, every gunshot, every blood splatter. We even have one that goes on the lens, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So how effective is it in its action? I can't say that it's super effective. I think that it relies on... A lot of stereotypes and cliches for character interactions. Mm-hmm. You get one right off the bat between the girl and the schmuck of the Marines, <laughs> and it's pretty poorly, you know, delivered yeah, those lines, and it's clumsy. And she knees him in the balls, and it's just right. you couldn't come up with more of a cliche for introducing the female character into this world right. of men, right? I think that was bad casting. It was bad. Because yeah, it, the, it didn't, the funny thing it didn't is, play, is, man. You know that the actor I'm talking about, Chris Plord, the he's same in, actor yeah, is, that is uh, is, Tre- is Trevor uh, yeah, in yeah. Van because mm-hmm. he's a pretty you know he's a pretty well known actor around here. Mm-hmm. Um, he's this young guy. He's like 26 maybe. Yeah, 27. yeah, seems pretty young. Um, and he did a decent. He's a decent actor, but see, this is an example of bad casting. Yeah is it has nothing to do with your ability as an actor. If you're not right for that role... Mm-hmm. See, I know Chris. Chris is the sweetest guy. He cannot be a misogynist to a girl. Yeah. And he was doing that. Work. He was playing that yeah. role yeah. Yeah. in, like, in you Salvage. Don't, you don't belong delivering that like, line, okay, but sweetheart also... Or something. Yeah. I think I made Kitten mad, he says. Yeah. And it's like, man, this is just lazy writing. It just is, man. And I'm not trying to be a jerk. But when you rely that hard on cliches and stereotypes mm-hmm. and you don't take the time to iron something out and make it natural and make it yours. Well, again, and time. find a way. Time, time is constraints, And I get them. that. But it's like, I'm not in that world. I'm watching this as a movie. And I'm not putting it side by side with Van because I, right. I get no, the really differences. Can't. But when I look at one and I look at the other and I think about what is Van? Is it effective in what it tries to do? And the answer is yes. Absolutely. It builds yeah. that tension. It builds dread yeah. step by step in a really simple and minimal kind of a way, but extremely effective. It uses lots of different techniques across the board. I like their split screen involved, so there's some yeah, technical stuff. There. I love some of the shots. I think it's solid composition. There's visual storytelling. And then I watch Salvage, and there's things I like about it, but they are glaringly obvious problems with salvage yeah a hundred percent i think some of it is in the writing i think some of it is in the performance i think it's just and i so when i'm thinking about van and i'm thinking i see some things that clue me into the story that doesn't rely on dialogue Mm -hmm. and i can't think of a single thing in salvage that does that for me not a single part right that does it and i you know some of those and we we spoke about you know there's a part with the uh with the Asian guy, and he has this whole bit where he's, oh, yeah. where he's doing Asian stuff, right? And right, because he's Asian. He because he's be Asian, he's got to be 
you know, Jackie Chan <laughs> with a with a, a machete to, to kill right. these zombies. It just comes and it's, out of nowhere. it's kind of poorly choreographed. They don't really sell it. And it feels that moment feels kind of cheap, man. It is. And it's like there are times yeah. where that movie is doing something and it's doing it successfully. Mm-hmm. But I think that there are too many moments that it reaches for something and it falls, falls pretty flat. short of it. And it's like, yeah. shoot, man. Like you say, it's a it's a time frame thing, so it's a whole different animal. Right. That's something I'm not too familiar with. I don't have experience in. Bottom line. I don't I don't enjoy that the competition you know, in the world. I don't I don't know. know that world where where you just you know, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. But right. it's it's hard to say. So then my answer to that would be, why are we trying to make a shoot 'em up film and I only have a month to do it? Yeah. Because you can do you could do zombies in space successfully and not have to kill 35 of them in the course of the film. <laughs> and All of them. And and they, do, when they invented you know, it, right? Yeah, and I mean, they all it's died. like they shoot and a lot of those gunshot effects and the blood splatters, it's oh, like yeah. it's dated. Really Five years ago, I get that. That's another thing. So now we're seeing it that far down the road. So right. Things there's have improved be a, and things have gotten yeah, better. So you be have those little digital signatures that date you you know and it's like shit man like the blood on the, on the, on the yeah screen. yeah the blood on the lens that kills right. me that's just i could live without that for sure but back you know? to the whole uh performance by chris plord i like the guy i think he, he did a is great that job. his name the yeah the salvage guy right okay yeah the, the kid he's got a great moment right in the beginning where they're having that square off and mm-hmm. he's saying He's, he's going through his lines, and he sticks his little cigar in his mouth, and he's like, I'm making a claim. Oh, no, you're something. talking about the, the Okay, father. I'm talking about Salvage, yeah. yeah the, father. the father. So who are you talking about? I'm talking about the guy who said kitten and got kicked, oh, kicked guy, in the balls. Okay. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The, the dude uh, on yes, Van. Yes, the other guy in Van. Yeah, but the thing about it is, see, this is an aspect to directing. Not only as a director do you have to cast well, and, you know, again, we have the time limitations of doing all this stuff. But still, you need to have a lineup of people that you think you can do, accomplish what you're, what's in your script. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another thing you can do when you're on set as a director. You've got to think on your feet a little bit, and you've got to say, okay, we've got a problem here. Chris is not delivering these lines the way I imagined. I have to shake it up a little bit. And this is where a director has to learn to trust their actor, is to say, okay, Chris... I understand you're you're not a misogynist. <laughs> this is hard for you, okay? Yeah. Either I can put you into the shoes of being a misogynist and try to go through that work, which I think is a waste of time and energy, mm-hmm. um, or you can say, okay, Chris, okay, you, you're kind of a dork. What you have to do is elicit her kicking you. Now, the question for me is, how would you do that? Mm-hmm. How would your character that you're kind of creating here how would this character do that? And all you have to do is do, do it believably. I just have to believe you. And, and that means I believe she kicks, you know, that her kick is sincere. <laughs> she really yeah. wants to do, give she you really wants because you're in such the balls, a man. dork. Yeah. So what are you going to do? See, because this line reaction. is a throwaway line. It doesn't really matter. What matters is her reaction and that she, she, yeah. she has a short fuse. That's what yeah. matters. So, like, how is he going to do that? And... Chris could do it. Chris could pull off his version of, of a misogynist. He's just got to find it in himself. 
And when you when you have a like a, a scriptwriter who's like, no, my script must be the way it is, and they're on set and they're like championing their script everywhere, that's a mistake. Like generally, that's a big mistake, because the scriptwriter doesn't understand how films necessarily are made. You know, they 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 live in an ideal world where they're God and they create everything the way the way it should be. A director, a producer understands that there's limitations to that when you're on set. You know, there's things that get in your way. There's, you know, real, just, just there's the, the real world, and people just can't always do these things, given the limitations of set. So this was a real limitation. And the, the funny thing is, is that problem can be solved very quickly if you just have enough flexibility and adaptability as a director to say, yeah. I'm going to trust my actor, and I'm going to say, what do you think? about this and then what they can do is act it out and if it's believable do it you know yeah. there's no there shouldn't be a big deal with like trying it out a few times it actually doesn't take that long to do that so there's people who are like oh we only have so much time we got to do it as written on script okay then you're mm -hmm. gonna get junk <laughs> yeah in the can but even still you like know? you gotta push you gotta find it you know, we spoke about you this, do. but it's 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 a real thing. You can't. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not the actor. It's not. It's you as a director, right? Because you're the guy who says cut, and you're the guy who says remove. You're on. making the choices. You're making the decisions. So you think that you've got it in yeah. the takes that you have, right? And then what do you do when you're in post? Then hopefully you can reshoot, <laughs> or you've got some choices. Because then like, you're watching. You're like, damn, I don't have it in any yeah. situation for whatever reason. But while you're there and you're doing it, you got to have a pretty good sense of, of what you want. You're kinda, right. You kind of, you got to be running the edit in your mind to an extent. You know, you got to be. You got to have know. a plan. Like you for have all that to, stuff. man, because it's going to come back to you. And you people know? are depending and you on you. You got to know that you're getting it because you know the way that you're going to be putting it together. Mm -hmm. So maybe that take worked with something else that had been going on that night through all those takes and all those different yeah. setups. That it or, seemed like that would work. Right. But you're the only guy who can see the big picture and understand that you don't have a take from that actor in that specific line that's going to work mm -hmm. with your overall vision. Because you got to right. let people play around with their lines a bit and go places with them. Otherwise, you're kind of strangling the thing, you know? But you've got to know, man. You've got to know if you got it or you don't have it. It's a big responsibility. It is. But oh. like, like not everybody can be a director. And you yeah. have to assume that responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, you really do. So, so uh, that's our two films. But like, I the I have remaining one other thing I really wanted to say. Oh about. yeah, what you got? Give me a second. You wanted to mention? Uh, is this about salvage or van? Yeah, about salvage. Uh, you got your notes, man. I do have some notes. I thought you know this would be a good, uh, a good reason to do it. You know, because when we first watch it, I got to say my first read on it was not. Mm -hmm. what it was by the time um, I came around to it a second time. Oh, what I thought was pretty effective in that movie. Yeah. I've, I've heard uh, different interviews with Hitchcock, who was a really big champion of the idea. He referred to it as Meanwhile Back at the Ranch, where you're splitting up the action that's taking place within a single scene. Oh, yeah. And you have you know mm -hmm. Group A and Group B, and even in this movie, at one point, they have like group A, B, and I think even a C going on. Because you got the father in, right. the, in the control center, mm -hmm. and you have the Marines, and then you have the daughter. 
and right. we kind of intercut between the three of them and we bounce around at least at times I know for sure the two of them and we mm-hmm. see that and I think that that's one of the highlights of this movie to me is the intercutting between what's taking place between the separate groups right. and I think that you create a bit of tension there and a mm-hmm. bit of energy we're leaving off one where they're kind of you know maybe in the mud and we go back to mm-hmm. somebody else and it's like then they get in the mud and then we come back to right. the other ones and it's like oh shit how are they going to get out of this I thought they did that to pretty pretty decent effect. Yeah. The second time watching, it was like, okay, I saw that more so. But it's a really effective tool when you can split the the action of a of a you know mm-hmm. scene by bouncing around a bit. I thought they did that pretty well. Yeah, I they were I'd really you know there was some structure there where it's like, okay, all is lost. You know, oh no, now, now what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. The father's going to die. Okay, we're gonna have a finale. We're gonna, you know, then we gotta beat the big boss, that big zombie, and then yeah, get the yeah, father. Yeah. But then they really screwed up in the end. Oh, they? the end! Yeah, damn it! I was trying not to say that, John. <laughs> I saw it in my notes, and I breezed right by it. I thought, man, I've said enough. Let me leave it alone. But yes, the end was was abrupt, a real throwaway, and sudden, ending. and just yeah. What did we get out of that? And well, one felt, of the guys who I think you're supposed to have feelings for because he keeps hitting on the wife. Yeah, and there's nothing really, you know. Yeah, I didn't. I I, I know what you're saying. Like you feel like you've kind of earned something there, but I don't think I don't think they really had by then. To yeah, but. I thought I liked the edit of it. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. he's the guy who gets bit. So we all know, right? I mean, we've all seen enough zombie movies. You get bit. You're going to be a zombie, bro. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you don't know it, but we do. But space zombies. So maybe maybe there's different. Yeah, maybe there's different. But I know I was assuming it. And then we go through an edit of his turn, which I didn't think was bad. I thought it was pretty effective. I thought it was pretty good. But we just end there right he lunges at the camera and it doesn't feel like the rest of everything was resolved there's no credits after that I thought we were like pushing on to the next like doing the next bulkhead into the next you know (laughs) portion of the ship or you know Mm -hmm. something I I didn't really assume that we were at the end of the movie I thought I was like okay now we've got to kill our good friend uh, right Muscles you know Muscles Muscles McGee right it's like I, I don't even know if he had a name in the picture but yeah, it ended very abruptly. And coming off of the heels of a pretty good moment between the father and the daughter in the mm-hmm. doorway where they're kind of reunited. Right. It's like, man, that's a pretty killer moment, honestly. It's earned. Yeah. You know? It really is. It's not just... It's not like the other one where the music hits and it's like I'm being tugged on a leash. Like, hey, man, mm-hmm. care about this. Right. I actually do care about it in that moment in yeah. a genuine way. That they're reunited and they well they earn it and then they kind of bask in each other's you know the father daughter they have a little uh, what the hell would you call that where they're in front of the screen yeah a little banter there you know she's like dude you'll never be you're not a console or something yeah come on dude I'm a kid I know electronics better (laughs) than you you but then we also we see that and then we see a little more because one of the colonial marines is still around. Mm-hmm. I'm calling them Colonial Marines. I don't sure. know the damn. That's pretty much Space what they Marines. feel like. Space Marines. But then a uh, little thing between the guy who got bit and the girl, and mm-hmm. he's got his final little dirty, uh, you know, he innuendo there yeah. that he throws in. And uh, she's like, "That's all you're gonna get, boy." And then all of a sudden, he's turning into a zombie, and then it's just cut to black. That's it. Yeah. You know? I guess what they're trying to say is, 
they didn't kill all the zombies because he got bit. And yeah, so right. now they're still in danger. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But um, I mean, they just dispatched like 20 of them How with many? guns. So oh, they, can, they can dispatch him too. I, I, don't, I didn't see that as much of a danger. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's more, it's, I, I think because the emotional impact wasn't there as much, it didn't serve very well as an ending. There, there had to be something there that's like, oh, that's really serious, you know, and it really didn't feel that impactful. And then it was also a not bit really. cheesy the way they, to me, the way they filmed it. It was just a little too... A little bit, yeah, no. You know, I know, I, I didn't like the, uh, the final, like, sound effect of him being like, mm -hmm. rawr, I'm a zombie. Kind of reminded me of the end of Paranormal didn't Activity. Did you well. ever see that? You I didn't, no. Yeah, the Seen first one. bits and pieces of the first it's one. It's a bit of a classic now. Oh, well. Yeah. That was a revolutionary thing if you at were the in time. the film world at the time. It was like, holy shit, man. But These the very end, I'm going to spoil it for everybody. The very end uh, of Paranormal Activity is the, the ghostly apparition or whatever is this girl. Mm. And she literally lunges at the camera. The camera that's watching everything, you know, when they're sleeping because they hear bumps in the night. So they leave these yeah. cameras on. Well, that's, that's the end. It, she lunges at the camera and bam, the end. Mm. And, and this just, was like a daughter really, or something? It really, I did not like the ending of that movie. Okay. Because it was just kind of like, it breaks the fourth wall in a way that I think was really unsatisfying. Yeah. Uh, and it felt like a throwaway ending, you know? Like, we're like, well, now she's going to haunt you, you know? Like, yeah. oh, please, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Don't be silly. That's not going to happen. <laughs> You know? Yeah, the ending was a little was soft, man. That yeah. and and sudden and didn't make sense. And it's like, man, put credits at the end of your movie, please. I know, you know? right? Just something. That was just kind of odd. I gotta say, it didn't feel right. It just didn't feel Did right. You say fiend yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Like fiend. suddenly you're Spanish, and yeah, yeah, it's the end. Is it Italian or Spanish? I, I don't know. Italian, I right? think it's uh, maybe. One of the two, but I know, like, uh, what the hell movie did I see recently that it had it on there, man? Maybe um, Roma, like I think. Of, I think Roma says Finn at the end. It's like the equivalent of, of a filmmaker's monocle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. This is it's a like, very distinguished yeah. film you're watching. <laughs> it's just ended. Yeah, so, yeah. So what's our third subject we, here? We, we've, we've beat these two shorts to death. Yeah, you're not trying to do it, man. Mm -hmm. I, there was, they both have very effective aspects. They have merit. They're worth watching. Definitely worth watching. Next, we discuss Film Bar Mondays. dudes who are yep. around and you could have a beer with them maybe one day that's right you know which is our third subject it's film bar mondays like this is how we created this uh we we created the film bar review because we wanted to kind of like encourage people to come out um and also we wanted to be because really what we're about is film community it's not so much about hey you have to join our group and do all this stuff it's really about like what is film community what does it really mean um why is it necessary and important as a filmmaker 
um, which it feels like today, everybody with social media and all this stuff, it's like people have forgotten what real community is and they need to be reminded. And I don't know of an industry besides maybe real estate, real estate that like relies more on networking and people. Um, I, I, I think you really, it really relies on it more than even real estate or anything like that. It's like, because there's so many different practitioners in film. There's so many different like craftsmen and people you need to know and, and you need to, and, and those people need to know other people. And it's just a whole patchwork of dependent relationships where you're like, yeah. I need these people to make this happen, you know? This is the right DP to shoot this, and this is the right, um, you know, production designer to make this world come to life, and, and, you know? So it's like, you really need people you can trust as well, because film, film budgets can get out of hand, people can take borrowed trust and abuse it pretty quickly and easily. Like, there's, there's a whole, list of like ways you can scam people in Hollywood like when you go to Hollywood if you ever go like nine out of ten people are like scam artists it's ridiculous um, and like if you're an actor oh my goodness the amount of scams you'll find out there um, whether it's mm -hmm. just teachers trying to teach you to act or agents you know trying to take your money or or, or whatever um, that it's like trust in relationships is really important. And so community is kind of, um, I guess, the, the correct environment to build trust. So I guess what I'm trying to say is community is important. What we've got is a structure to really build community here because it's, not about any one person. There's no money involved. Nobody's getting paid anything. Um, it's it's just conversations about film, filmmaking. You know, if you if you if if you really want to get into filmmaking, this is something you should talk about with people. You know, it's something you should enjoy talking about with people. And uh, you know, if you don't, <laughs> you should question. <laughs> <laughs> whether or not this is something you want to be doing you know like or, or or even if even if you like you think you know everything about film and you don't need to talk about it because you've already thought about all that's a mistake as well like no we we have a lot to learn from people like directors have things to learn from assistant camera people like and gaffers and all these people you know so it's like your education is never done as a filmmaker. You know, you're constantly getting ideas. You're constantly making new friends. You're constantly uh, learning more things to add to your tool belt. And um, we all need help with doing this stuff. So it's like get out there, you know, stop sitting in front of your computer and like wasting your life on, on, on <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, but it's like <laughs> it's like I'm talking to half the world right now and yeah, condemning no. everybody. But it's like, well, but it's it's it is kind of a, a an issue right now, you know. 
And I think a lot of people aren't realizing that social media and the and the inter, the way the internet has changed us is in positive ways and negative ways. We can't kind of ignore the the, the facts there. And we I think we've forgotten how to just kind of uh, you know it's like you're the awkward kid in the lunchroom at school and, and that sucks but it's also something you have to go through and you have to learn how to get through that in a positive way so it's like dude just do it man like I mean what do you what do you think <laughs> <laughs> what do I think uh, no I agree man I agree you know we've said it multiple times but it is very tribal man local film yes because there's plenty going on out there and you keep hearing about the new one and the new one from this guy and from that guy Mm -hmm. and nobody sees each other and nobody hangs out with each other that bugs me so much yeah it's like why aren't we all gathering like come under the same roof yeah you know once a week Mm -hmm. or so you know whichever one you can make it out to it's just the idea of getting to know one another and have that yeah. community and build that bond and forge those relationships mm-hmm. to then go forward into a different project and maybe maybe do something that you don't normally do to help out a friend and yeah, get man. involved because at the end of the day it's like what the what else do you do you want to do like do you want to make movies or do you want to talk about just talk about it or do you want to just do commercial work you know like it's like get involved like come together you know it's just we're stronger as a group you know and everybody has their own passions and their own projects and And stop thinking of yourself as the end all of the whole thing like we we, you know we can't we can't do that you know you're going to get bogged down in this confirmation bias you need help you know like we need help and we need to help each other mm mm-hmm well, and another, another sign is like you can't, t- if you can't take criticism, you know, if you're f- with your film, you know, like that's something we really have to all work on ourselves. Like, and if you're a screenwriter, you know this, like, you know, you're, you're, you need feedback. You should not just shoot your first, the first, your, your, your first draft. Like there's a real process here. That's a painful process, you know, um, but it's, we're all trying to help each other get better because we all want to make good films. And if you're an actor, you want to be acting in a good film. If you're a director, you want to, you want to have the perfect script and all these things. You know, if you're a producer, you want something that is amazing. You know, like producers don't just want to make money. Like everybody thinks of a producer as just, it's all about the money. But we want good work, you know. Um... That's the end game, right? It Everybody is. Everybody wants it and should all collectively yeah. desire is to make things of value and make things that you can watch and not cringe at the part that you know is coming up where it's like, mm-hmm. damn, I know that this didn't go well at this moment or that didn't right. go well at this moment. You know, it's like, ah, I'm tired of those moments. I hate yeah. sitting down and watching could have done that better, you know, could have, could have, you know, had better equipment, better, you know, right. whatever. Should have, could have, would have. It's tough, yeah. man. It's like, at what point do we, do we kind of agree and come under the same banner and be like, hey, man, 
let's make some movies. Or at the very least, mm -hmm. let's have engaging conversations that inspire each other right. to propel us into trying to do better work. You know? Yeah, and a lot of it for me is just ideas. Like, we, you know, many of us are the kind of filmmakers who we enjoy this one thing, but we're not, we're kind of stuck doing that one thing. And we don't know what else to do. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you use that? I just did my whistle again, dude. My man. That was hilarious. Oh, whistler, man. You my got like a pen <laughs> turning into a whistle over here. <laughs> Pied Piper over oh, here. Oh, man. Sorry. You are piping us into the exit because <laughs> we do need to wind down on this. But, yeah. you know, um, we're hoping that this is, can be something that uh, inspires you to not just think about making films on your own or editing, you know, editing, shooting, writing everything on your own, but to realize that the greater film community really is about people and relationships and building that and not being afraid of, of the whole social aspect of that. Uh, you got to get past that, man. And um, there's people out there who are, are working on the same thing as you. You know, so, um, mm -hmm. no, and like you said, you want any, at whatever level you're at, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's about coming out and getting involved. Yep. Get involved. Take that step. Come and come out. Check it out. You know? Yeah. Get some more ideas. You know, it gets stagnant. Make some more friends. Like, in increase your list of people you can call with you when you have a problem on set, you know. Um, and uh, find that missing element for your project. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Film Bar Mondays is going on Monday nights. I mean, we're in the Tampa Bay area. There's a Jacksonville area as well. There's the Atlanta area. Uh, we worked on... Um, trying to get it started with friends in Orlando, with worked on trying to get it started in Sarasota. Uh, those things haven't uh, kind of solidified yet. Um, and these things kind of happen organically, so um, we're not really trying to start them. They just kind of, you know, I meet people and then let them know about it, and maybe they are interested in starting a group out there. You know, if you are, let us know. Uh, our email, by the way, if you do want to contact us, is uh, thefilmbarreview at gmail.com. We have Film Bar Mondays groups on Facebook. You can find us there. Uh, just look up Film Bar Mondays. Um, the Tampa Bay area has TPA Film Bar Mondays. The Jacksonville area has JAX Film Bar Mondays. Um, and, uh, you, you know, you can find out when the meetings are. Because uh, they're not necessarily every week or at the same location. But uh, so just coordinate with that and talk film, enjoy it. And we hope you enjoyed our podcast. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>
the podcast itself? You're, yeah, I mean, I, 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 know I, I do. do. You know, I mean, the the idea is to just support local filmmakers and their work. Yeah, we're gonna have more filmmakers coming out to talk about their films. Um, and uh, I don't have one planned for next month, but we'll we'll try to make that happen. Um, I mean, I do have. <laughs> I, I, we're going to be making one next month, okay? Uh, so we're, we're doing this. This is what we're doing. Uh, but I haven't picked out the film yet, and um, it's, it's between a few different filmmakers who may, may or may not be available. So we'll see about that. But, uh, you know, as far as just the idea of Film Bar Review, what got me excited was personally being exposed to local film and getting to see what that looks right. like. You know, in a in a real way, in a way that I've never really been involved in my own little world, doing yeah. what I do, and not really exposing myself to others or being exposed to others. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's going to be interesting to dig into these things and be able to sit down with the people involved in making them and uh, yeah, understanding where. And we've talked about this, but it's it's an important thing to me to know where the bar is locally right for the upper echelon of filmmaking and where does that fall so that Mm -hmm. to gain full understanding and know that inside and out to be able to try to raise it and push right collectively and bring it to the next level and go further and further you know and as far as just the podcast itself it's uh you know talking about these movies and all that it's I, you know, maybe you, I, I can't speak for you, but for me, I'm nobody's film critic. I just, it's not in my blood, you know. I just want to sit down and talk about movies, you know. And I, like the couple guys who were talking about their movies tonight, man, it's like I would have loved to have them in the room and be yeah. able to talk about the things I liked and the things I didn't like. For sure. You know, and I don't want to be the guy <clears throat> who doesn't have any skin in the game. So it's right. like I was thinking about it, and I don't know about you again, I don't want to speak for you, but I want to... Maybe like even in the show notes or something, mm-hmm. like the last movie that I had shown you, just put it public and just put it out there. Like put some skin in the game, especially yeah. for the two guys whose movies we talked about tonight. Like watch it, destroy it, rip <laughs> it apart. Like I don't care. Or appreciate you know, it. For a, what or it is, appreciate it. Like, you know, yeah. whatever it is. It's like there. It's a, it's a movie that has problems, you know, but mm-hmm. there's, it's a movie that there's things that I really love about it. So I would want to put it out there to in a way that I've never done before because it's always been a private thing but it's like man I don't want to be the guy who just talks about other people's movies and doesn't have anything out there for somebody yeah, to, to yeah. you know come back at and it's like so I want to do that for personal reasons like I said put a little skin in the game man you yeah. know but just in general we, about we could the show. We your, some of your films and my films. I wouldn't, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, like you say, I don't want to yeah. make it like an episode like we talk about our own shit, and I don't even, it's not yeah, even like to try me. to plug uh, it. Yeah. I just don't want to not have stakes in the game with everybody yeah. else that we're trying to do this with. I want to get in the trenches with them and be like, here, well, right. you can have this and have a look at that. So me and all my words and what I've been saying. Mm-hmm put it to the test put it up against that and tell me how yeah. you feel about it and be honest because we've all got issues the with our work I mean yeah. all of all of our stuff right it's never the way you imagine it like it's no, never definitely not it's never you know there's perfect doesn't even enter the vocabulary yeah. it's it's just like 
But it's a part of you, and it matters, it and it's and it's worth existing. You know, it's not like yeah, man. You know, they we made it's them, worth all man. that work. They didn't. They weren't there before we put them into existence. It's a it's a pretty profound thing that is. It is to go I mean, out and make a film. People compare it to having kids, and it is a lot like yeah. that. You know, we both have kids, mm-hmm. um, so it's like we know what that feels like, and it really yeah. does. It really does feel that way in many ways. You know, um, I mean, you got to take the criticism. Yeah. You know, because your kids aren't perfect. That's <laughs> yeah, with your kids. I mean, you, know, you know, when you go out and you got this shitty behaving child, it's like, oh. Yeah, man. I mean, the, the parents that always defend their kids, I, there's something going on there. I don't know what's going on. It takes on, but a village like, to raise a kid, man, you know, yeah. is what they say. But Like, my kid is not, like, please. Yeah. Like, if, if my kid needs discipline, they got to be disciplined, man. Yeah. Whether by me or somebody. Because you don't want to raise kids that are spoiled. So I just, I a lot of filmmakers are that way, you though. Know? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're spoiled like, in a way that's like, oh, you're supposed to bubble, constantly man. stroke my ego when I, when I put my... It's like, what? we got to like, be able to have an honest conversation about film locally. Yeah. If we can't do that, then what are we really doing? Right. Enough with the glad-handing. If that's mm-hmm. going on, I would assume that it is. And let's just I've really talk about... What matters in film? Mm-hmm. You know, let's get down to the nuts and bolts of it all. Have real conversations about each other's works and about where we can go from here. You right. know, and how we can push it. You know, in in yeah. ways that are effective, man. You know. Well, we've talked about the French of, New Wave, right? And yeah. it's the same kind of thing. It's like, the same you kind really of care about film theory and mm-hmm. and ideas and really improving. You know the the rising tide, you know, or or you really just care about yourself. Yeah. You know, are you your just, own ego are and you your interested fame in just the accolades or the or the feathers in your cap about right. uh, you know your particular production or, or the people? Oh, I got an award or whatever. And it's like, man, what matters besides the end product? Yeah. What matters besides that film? Of course, personally, you have the experience of it. Mm-hmm. Nobody can take that away from you. But right. as far as Battle once stories. it leaves your hands, what matters besides the film itself? And can it stand on its own yeah, two legs? Yeah, because, I mean, you're a filmmaker. You're making films. Yeah. You know, it's not really just about um, all these little incidental things. Or mm-hmm. even each individual craft. It's, you're, you're making a product, and that product is about something. So you're absolutely right. You know, we can't do the glad-handing thing, and I've seen that at local festivals, and, um, you know, it's seen as good etiquette. Like, I understand that, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, it's like we do have to get better. We do have to improve, and that does take... That's like pulling teeth sometimes. It really is like difficult work. And, you know, our, our egos can be out of touch, what's really going on we got to keep that ego in touch like we got to keep it um so it's not making us stumble getting our way you know making us blind to our mistakes that's Mm -hmm. just a human problem it's a human reality we all deal with and like you said man you have to be open to the idea that there is a lot of room to grow personally (laughs) right i mean if i would I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not I mean, a minimum. I'm not a film critic. I'm <laughs> yeah. a filmmaker. But what I'm 
chiefly is a student of film. Yeah. And that's the end. And, you know, an education is going to go a lifetime. I mean, mm-hmm. crying out loud, you cannot expect to achieve any kind of status without right. years and years and years of hard work at it. And well, and that's why I also get like, better. I think that holding the banner up of art, you know, like for, for film, if you're an artist, you're really a student of life. Like you're not just a student of some craft, you're a student of life. And you can't, you can't do that without some humility about where you're going and where you want to be going and what you're doing, you know, but where you are now and the reality of that. You know, you can't, you can't navigate this ship if you don't know where you are on that map. You know, so if you're it's somewhere you don't want to be, pursuit, we're all somewhere we don't want to be. Yeah. You know, we all want to be somewhere else. Um, the question is why? Do we just want to have the money and the fame or do, you know, have our ego stroked? Or do we want to go somewhere that actually makes something that's enduring, you know, um, beyond our life? Maybe, you know, the, you know, these filmmakers we always talk about, you know, like Martin Scorsese and Spielberg and, and these people, they, they're create, they've created something that's bigger than themselves. And I think that's really our, the goal as a filmmaker, you know, because it's not about ourselves, really. It's about the storytelling and the and the the life lessons that we are learning ourselves as filmmakers, and we get to transmute some of that within the celluloid somewhere, you know. So we're you know as we're not really reviewers, as, as Tim said, we're really filmmakers. So we have a bit of an inside knowledge and understanding that a lot of reviewers don't have. But we're also not going to be kind of pretending that we know the art of reviewing <laughs> it's, it's there's its own art yes. right very much so um, so that's not what this is you know this is kind of inside inside baseball with filmmakers talking about other films and other filmmakers and mm-hmm. trying to get better you know so I feel good about that like I, I really want to keep doing um, this effort because it's a self-improvement effort. It's a film community building effort. Um, And we want more people to see these films. We want our work to get out there. We want people to critique it themselves. We want people to talk about it, how good or bad, you know, and get to know the filmmakers as a result. Shine a light locally, man. Yeah. Possibly down the road. Yep. You know? uh... What do you think? Did we do good? Did we do good? The pilot, man. The pilot is in the can. <laughs> How about that? Yep. You know? I feel pretty good about it, you know? <laughs> Me too, bro. <laughs> what can I say, man? I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the future and what it holds and, you know, just getting better as a filmmaker but also as a film bar reviewer, quote unquote, you know? It's, uh, we'll see where it goes, man. I'm excited to sit down with some people and talk about their movies and just have conversations about film, you know? I think a lot can happen when you sit and you start throwing shit at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, and you man. talk about what inspired you, and I talk about what inspired me. And guest number one talks about what inspired them, you mm-hmm. know? 
things can come from that. Yeah. Just from getting involved and being inspired. And let's just talk about film as an art, as a craft, as a way of life, you know? Well, we're going to be here next month as well. So listen in and uh, thanks. This has been John Croft and Tim Mannix wishing you happy, trouble-free filmmaking to our film community and happy networking at Film Bar Mondays. Van and Salvage, Episode 1 of the Film Bar Review. Van and Salvage can be seen for free on YouTube. Check out more of Dominic Smith's work on the Twin Life Zone on YouTube and look up Scott Sullivan on YouTube. The Film Bar Review is made in association with the local Florida and Georgia-based film networking events called Film Bar Mondays, which takes over bars and breweries on Monday nights to bring filmmakers and actors together across the spectrum of experience to have a drink, discuss the industry and our battle stories. In this case, we're discussing locally made films. We critique them, and we give a voice to the people who work on them. Join us Monday nights in cities like Atlanta, Georgia, Jacksonville, Florida, and Tampa, Florida to have a drink and talk film. Reach out at thefilmbarreview at gmail.com and find Film Bar Mondays at our various group pages on Facebook. <laughs>